Um, we are, and we've had some input with a lot of people trying to make 2015 uh, a better year and maybe more structured, more planned. And I, I think for those that have helped out with that, um, I want to thank last year we had uh, one of the things that, uh, well, all the things that we were doing was trying to uh, have more people with uh, involved, and I, I think we have accomplished that. Um, and it's almost had to be that way simply because I'm, uh, I think I mentioned, I don't know whether I mentioned it from the pulpit, I, I'm at least 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday, away from home. So it's not a lot of time that I really have to, to think or give much effort into the church. And so it does require a lot of people pulling up and, and helping out and, and doing a lot of different things. And I, I want to thank uh, all of you that have done that. Uh, and appreciate your input and your effort. But we need to continue in that. And, uh, and as you know, I've been uh, teaching on this idea of what it means to ab abide in Christ and uh, abiding in Christ. And, uh, I, you know, we can do a lot of the uh, things that are uh, on the outside uh, as far as the church goes. Uh, you know, we can put new windows in, and we can put new doors in, and we can resurface the uh, parking lot, and, um, you know, we can have ministries, right? We can have more ministries. We can have, uh, let's say the Lord would bless, we'd be able to get a bus ministry again, maybe do door-to-door -door evangelism again. Um, and those things we know are what churches do, you know, to reach the world for the lost, we need activities for uh, families and for young people um, as part of what a church does, maintaining um, growth and, and spiritual nourishment by, by encouraging one another. But the key component and in, to that, and that's where I feel my responsibility is as your pastor, is not only do help with the... Um, Structure and the organization for specific things to happen in the church was I mentioned earlier, but also my job is to instruct and teach what it is to really be abiding in Christ. Uh, I think it was Harold mentioned to me this week uh, a church that uh, I was somewhat familiar with and knew a couple of people that went to this church. Uh, last I had heard, I knew the church was, they had some issues going on uh, there with some different things, but uh, I was really set back when I heard that the church had disbanded. Think about that. I, I, that, would, that really is hard for me. The church just finally just gave up. Gave up thinking that they could ever be a church. They gave up thinking that they were a church. Gave up with the idea that that God was in the church. Um, that That's big. Think about it. I don't know how long the church had been in existence. You know how long they've been in existence? Early 80s. And uh, no longer in existence. You think, could that happen here? Could, couldn't it? What's the key component? If Christ is in each one of us and he's abiding with us, 
we're listening and obeying his voice, then we're going to have a lot of things going for us. We may not be perfect, but we're going to have Christ with us. There would never be in any of our hearts or any of our minds that the idea that that somehow that that is that it's no we're no longer a church that we're no longer worth uh, the effort. And so it's very very important that you and I understand what it means to have your own personal walk with God. If you were here last Sunday night, uh, I, I, I don't know where I got this, but I sensed that people were losing heart. And they were looking around and thinking, well, hey, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and that's the problem. Sometimes we judge, uh, uh, you know, God's will by looking around. Um, you know, that's, as I mentioned, you know, when somebody starts a church or somebody's a missionary and goes to a foreign land where there's no, no work, they don't look around to see who's spiritual. They don't look around. They, they find God's will and they do it. And if everyone in this church does that same thing and just says, yeah, I'm encouraged by someone doing the will of God, I'm encouraged by someone following the Lord, but is it required for me to have a walk with God? Is it required? Is it? It's not required. That in order for you to have a walk with God, somebody else has to be also living. It doesn't require. Does it, has it diminished? Does it diminish? Yeah, it does. When, when people are not walking with the Lord, it does discourage. But it isn't required. So it's required is that you abide with Christ. And I believe is that David, if you know in the scriptures, David got discouraged himself. I mean, remember when David got so down. What did he do? The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. A lot of the, 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 the sickness that you might feel or the weakness you might feel isn't because what you see around it's about what you know about yourself. And that alone can, hey, you can, you can have, you can be on fire for God. The world may be drowning in sin, but you can be on fire for God. We uh, sang that hymn this morning, that revival hymn, and what a blessing that was. Take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter number, chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. Again, this is the Apostle John that also penned uh, the gospel of John 14, I want you to look with me in the first John, and you're going to see, I think, uh, uh, this manifesting is in, in these epistles, uh, his continuation of this same idea that the Lord gave him in, in the gospel. In first John chapter number one, I'm going to read a couple of verses out of chapter one, and then we're going to read uh, most of chapter 2. <clears throat> chapter number 1. I'm going to begin with verse number 1. And this is that, <clears throat> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. 
the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're the Alpha, the Omega, you're the beginning and the end. Father, that we are complete in you. And Father, what a glorious thing is, the Father, that not only that we as individuals can be complete, but Father, that you've added to that that we can enjoy not only the fellowship that we have personally with you, but, Father, we can enjoy the fellowship of others that have a walk with you. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have a purpose, never purpose, that a church should dissolve. Never purpose that, Father, that people lose hope and give up. Father, those things are not of your Holy Spirit. Those things are of the flesh. Those things are not of your working, but, Father, the working of the devil. So I pray that, Lord, this morning that you would, uh, Lord, help us in the preaching and the teaching of your word. That, Father, our hope would be in you. And, Father, that we would not only just be encouraged in you, but, Father, that we can gain fellowship, Father, that we need, and I really believe it's necessary from one another. We ask you not only to bless this time, but the fellowship that follows. Father, our minds, our hearts will be of one mind. Father, that the, the opportunity, Lord, that we have, Lord, to be, all that we can be is before us today. We ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter number 1, we see here that he expresses the relationship that he had with the Lord as he walked on the earth. And he not only did it in the, in the terms of, but he did it in a plural sense. That he wanted not only that what he had, he wanted others to have. I don't know about you, I don't know the exact spiritual temperature of anybody else. But I do know where my spiritual temperature is. And I know that I'm either living in the hope and joy of the Lord Jesus Christ and his will, or I'm not. And that joy is not limited because of what I see around me. It's only limited by me. He says, as it mentions here, that he says, these things I write into you that your joy may be what? Full. I like that, don't you? I like the idea that God doesn't want your joy to be diminished 
by some circumstances you may find yourself in, he wants your joy to be full. I like to be around people that are happy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I like to be around people that are optimistic. I like to be around people that uh, uh, have a, a sense of direction and, and a sense of hope. But in the Christian life, that is not required. It's not required. You by yourself can have that joy that can be full without the assistance necessarily of someone else. They can encourage you, but it doesn't have to be required. So he gives this idea of what he's giving this letter to them about is that the idea there that I want you to understand that we had this thing going on with Jesus as he walked and he says I'm going to break it down for you and I'm going to give it to you in a way that, that you can have the same fellowship that your joy would be what? Full. I don't know what you, that's what I want. I don't want to linger somewhere where it's not where uh, I have the sense of the Lord's presence in my life. I want to be in the center of that. So how do I get there? If you'll take and follow with me, we're going to read through 6 and portions of chapter 2. He says, If then we say we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie... And do not the truth. See, the thing of it is, this is what I find most about ourselves, is we have a hard time being honest with ourselves. Instead of looking inwardly to find the problem, we look outwardly to find the problem. Well, I must not be happy. How many of, how many of you have ever been in... I've been uh, uh, married for now, now five, forty years... And anybody who's been married with any length of time at all always recognizes that the problem with our marriage is not me. Am I right? It's never me. It's always him or her, right? Well, I've come to find out in these short 40 years is that that generally the problem is me. And if I take care of me, then generally, that's who I'm responsible to take care of. Take care of the things, the needs in my life. See the shortcomings in my life. If I take care of that, generally the other things take care of themselves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you got a brother or sister? It's always, Right? I mean, it's, you, can, you, can, you, can, you rescue your children. They, they've got an issue with their brother or sister, and they come up to you and they say, Hey, it's her fault, or it's his fault. Do they ever say, Boy, they run up to mom and say, Hey, mom, it's my fault that we're fighting. How many have seen that ever happen? It never happens that way. The same thing is true. When we, we think we're above that as adults, we don't think we think that way now. But it's still the same way. We look at others as being the problem. It's saying if we have fellowship with him and walk in what? That darkness is that inability to recognize your own failures. That's why the first thing on that list that I gave you, where and that's why I don't want your name on there. Where do you think your spiritual weakness is? 
Maybe to verbalize that and say, man, oh, yeah, pastor's going to have Well, you probably figure out that that's my writing. I'm not going to figure out your writing. I just want to know if you've got the strength and the ability to say, well, if that number one is blank, I'm going to, I'm going to say you really do have a problem. Because all of us have needs that we, we ought to be able to put our finger on. If you don't have a need, you get, you're actually you're probably not even here anymore. You're, you're imperfect because you're in heaven. And you ought to be able to lay down there and say, I've got this need that I've been... And then you don't have to be specific. It's just things that I'm dealing with in my life. I need to deal. I need to get it right. Because if we walk in darkness, we say we have fellowship with him, we become a what? A liar and the truth is not in us. So if we can't be honest with ourselves, what is the possibility we're going to get right with anything else? Come Where does all the light we get come from? And you start dealing with the truth about yourself, then God opens the, the, the light that you can see clearly. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? And you say, I see the problem with my brother. And, the, and Jesus said, the first thing you need to do is get the beam out of your own eye. So that you can do what? See clearly to get the beam out of somebody else. And you know, I'll be honest with you, that people say, well, you shouldn't criticize. Or you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. You know what? God wants us to have clear thinking, clear sight. You, as a parent, you need to be honest with yourself so that you can be, be clear to help your children, right? Well, I can't criticize my children because I, I myself am a, I, I'm, I'm, fall short of what I need to be. No! God says, just get it out so that you can see clearly. How, about, how, do, how much do you think that's necessary for a church? Help me out now. Get in this message with me. How, how, how much do you think it's necessary that every person in the church deal with their own issues in order for the church to really be helped? How are you going to see clearly to help your church be the church it needs to be until you get that beam out of your own eyes so that you can see clearly to help the ministry of Garfield Ridge Baptist Church? Verse number 7. He says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So basically God says if we just work on our abiding in him, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm misreading this. Is that what you see? If we just work on, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, us, from all sin. So we get this abiding in Christ right. We see clearly to be what we need to be for one another, objectively trying to help make our church what it should be. God's Jimmy says he then God says, I'm in the middle of that and I'm cleaning up your sin and the sin of the church. How many of you want to guess that this church that went under wasn't doing this? How many would venture to guess this is a problem? They weren't looking inwardly. And without that ability to look inwardly, we have not the ability to look outwardly.
I always used to <clears throat> challenge my young children with this one. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember me saying, you need to 1 John 1, 9 that. Right? You need to 1 John 1, 9 that. Not just say I made a mistake. I need to take that sin to God. I need to take these things, these, these issues that I have to God. We don't, we don't lack in this church. We do not lack knowledge. I promise you, we do not lack knowledge in this church. We never, we, we never, a church this age, if you've been saved a year, you probably more than likely you don't lack knowledge. If you're saved two years, you definitely don't. If you come to church on any regularity, read your Bible with any regularity, you don't lack knowledge. What you lack is obedience. To do what you know is right. You go back. I, I took the young people, the ones that were there this morning anyway. <clears throat> I took them through and I were trying to get through this idea of what it, the preparation so they have a right mind when it comes to being prepared to be married. And I took them back to Deuteronomy and I read... You read Deuteronomy, you think, well, that's just the book of the law. You need, you know what is healthy? Before they ever got to the promised land, you know what the Lord spent time doing? He says, this is what I'm going to do if you do right. This is what I'm going to do if you do wrong. I mean, read that. I mean, have you read the curses that he said? But I said, he said, this will come upon you. I'm going to do this to you. I'm not only going to, you're going to bring these things upon yourself just because you're, you're doing the wrong thing. I'm purposely going to do some things to you. I'm going to vex you in certain ways. I'm purposely, my hand is going to be against you. How many of you think that maybe the church at Corinth would have had some of God's hand against them? How about Ananias and Sapphira? Was God's hand against them? How many think God's hand was against Ananias and Sapphira? Hammer dropped, didn't it? He said, well, that was just in the book of Acts. He doesn't do that. Listen, God puts those things in the book of Acts so that you can know you don't mess with this church. You don't mess with this people. Sometimes we, we, sometimes we think we're in this isolated uh, vacuum in our life that somehow your life isn't affecting others. You realize that one person... How many, how many of you know if one person's got an issue? And you can be in a crowd of, let's say, 10, 15 people, and one person's got a problem that everybody in that room doesn't know. How many know that? Everybody in that can feel it. What's wrong? You know, it just kind of the air gets tense. We go to work. This happens all the time. We work. We have varying schedules because it's a seven-day-a-week operation. So <clears throat> there's people there. They have to work their five days. Their five days maybe Wednesday through um, 
Each five days on to that, Wednesday through Sunday or something, right? And somebody else may have Monday through Friday, somebody else may have Saturday. And in certain days, they'll have certain personalities and persons on that checkpoint. And boy, it just, you know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of a little difficult. And boy, when that person's gone, it's, we're kind of looking around, what's happening? It's so much better here. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The same is true with here. So the idea that I'm, I'm giving you this morning when John is talking about you and me abiding in him and you and you taking the time to find out where your issues are and where you're at spiritually is a huge dynamic in the life of the church. And if we say we have no sin, and boy, we do that, but he says, if you're, he says, if we confess our sins, look what it says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then I'm not going to go. He says, that if we don't do that, he says, we make him a liar. I, li- I mean, you just take that First John 1, 9, and boy, does that fix, how many things that fixes things? How many think that, tur- that turns 180 degrees around? How many think we just say, hey, I, I'm not abiding. I, I mean, Brother O is uh, giving us these verses to read. I know I need to be memorizing, studying. I need to do them 25 times. To, and the Bible teaches us. And I've tried to take some time to go with that through that. The New Testament church is going to be a church that knows the Word of God. There's no doubt in my mind it says that they'll have it written in their hearts. And I think it's a dynamic that somehow we've lost. It used to be the Baptist churches were known for knowing their Bibles. It used to be that we used to be thought of as the Bible thumpers, and we are pathetic. We need to know our Bibles inside and out. We not even not memorize them and meditate on them day and night so that we're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I mean, no one that Bible says that. It says it in the Old Testament. And God is speaking to our hearts about ourselves and our own personal issues and we see God dealing with it and we're humbled by it and we're broken by it and we're prideful by it and, we're, and we come out with it. As I mentioned the other night, you discipline your child, you deal with them and they come back to you and they just got this, what kind of a spirit? Oh, they just got this sweet spirit. I mean, remember that song we always sing, there's such a sweet Sweet spirit in this place, right? And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord, right? Well, we love that song, don't we? We say, where is that sweet spirit? Where is that oneness? Where is that Christ in us, that abiding? It's when you and I take seriously what the Bible says about our own abiding in Christ and dealing with sin. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. As your pastor, I waste my time up here. I, 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 unless you have a walk with God, then feeding the flock of God is very, very challenging. But when you come in and you're like a sponge and God is, you can't wait to get to church and you love the preaching of the word. And you can, it's not like you got to, well, how long is pastor going to go today? My goodness, he must have preached 45, 50 minutes today. You say, wow, 
I'm glad what I heard today. I remember hearing the preaching in the morning and going home being so excited about things I'd heard. Say, oh God, I thank you for showing me these. I was at the altar day after week after week and thank you, God. I wasn't embarrassed because I went to forward and God doubted me. I praised God and my heart was hot for God. Satan will keep on it's amazing to come down there when God deals with you. I'm amazed at people sometimes. Except when something something God deal with you and say, maybe you got some came in, you didn't get it, and say, God, there's a something wrong with me. And it comes to your heart, say, God, where is my heart? Nothing hard about what I'm talking about. How many think what I'm talking about is hard? It's called sin. Sin separates us from God. Listen, sin not only separates us from our Heavenly Father, it puts a wall between everybody else, too. You have no heart for the things of God. That church over there didn't close because they had a heart for God, let me tell you. They didn't have a heart for God, and they didn't have a heart for one another. We're starting chapter 2. I'm going to read through it. I want you just to listen. He says, My little children, He says, These things I write unto you that what? You sin not. Don't take lightly sin, folks. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation or the covering for our sin. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The power of what Christ can do for you and me, it's not limited to us. Again, what did I say earlier? Verse 3. Whereby we do know that we know him if we what? Obey, right? Keep his commandments. We know if we know him if we keep his commandments. No fudging, no playing around with it. We just do what God tells us to do. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him, but whosoever keepeth the word in him, verily, what? Is the love of God, what? Perfected. You follow him, and they're going to come out of your heart and out of your soul a sweet spirit. It's not going to be your spirit. Praise God, it's going to be the spirit of God. And boy, you're going to want to minister to your, your family. You're going to want to minister to one another. And just being in the presence of other people, you minister to them. You can't help it. It's just the Christ in you. <clears throat> it's perfected. Hereby we do know that we are in him. That's knowledge you have. Hereby you do know. Am I abiding in Christ? I know I'm abiding in Christ. I know I have his sweet spirit. 
I don't have this dynamic about me that's first thing out of my mind and out of my heart is criticism. Challenge. Yeah. Verse 6. Take a note. This is the first point. He that <coughs> abideth in him ought himself also to walk, what? Even as he walked. You're just like Jesus. Now someone might think that's blasphemous to say that. But I honestly think it's true. Because one, one, the Bible says it's true. But if you abide in him and you're following him and you're not, you're not putting up your... I'm not going to do that. No, no. But if you're humbly, sweetly saying, Lord, I know these things you're pointing out in my life, these things I'm inconsistent with, these things that are obvious to you and you're showing me and I I want to deal with them, I want to make them right. Because we read what it says, we have an advocate. Verse 1. It says, if any man sin, we have what? An advocate. That means Jesus is in the business of cleaning up your life, changing your life, making it new. You say, I, I'm, and you walk around with an attitude or a spirit that's not of God, and you have a, and you have this uh, uh, indifference toward one thing or another about your children, about your church, or about uh, the Word of God, or memorizing the Scripture, or spending the time in the Word, or whatever it is. And you take it to the advocate and you confess it. But remember what we said. If we say we have no, oh, I'm okay. Oh, my devotions are fine. Oh, I, I, I memorize a little differently than everybody else. You just confess and say it's not right. So number one, <clears throat> the first thing your goal has to be that you're abiding with Christ to the degree you say, I walk with him. I do what he does. Now either you're going to be, if you can say that openly, and you have confidence toward God. The Bible says if you have confidence toward God, you're going to ask things what you will, and he's going to do what? He's going to give you what you want, Right? I'm abiding with Christ. I don't. I can't think of anything the Lord wants me to do. Read on. He says, "Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but the old commandment which you've had from the which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you've heard from the beginning." Remember, I said uh, right now, I, there's not there's nobody lacking knowledge in this church. It's an old commandment. There's nothing new. I can't get up here and tell you anything new. But he says in verse 8, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, the thing which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is now past and true light now shines. He said, what is the new commandment? Somebody help me out. What is that new commandment he's talking about there? Yeah. What is that new commandment? Come on. Christ 
in you. That's the new commandment. See, this, 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 this book doesn't mean anything until it becomes you. That God, Jesus' Spirit, He may dwell in you, but until that Spirit takes over, it doesn't matter. You're just you. But the new commandment is just what He says here. Again, a new commandment. I mean, the thing which is true in Him and in you. You're one with Him. So I said to these kids, I I'm surprised I have some kids who don't want to come down to my class. They, they, say they don't think this will affect them. Ah, Pastor, I don't need that. Ah, I'm one of the exception to the rules. Oh, really? Oh, really? I have, I have 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids and they got more up here going on than their pastor. Alright. Break out. Run for yourself. See what you get. There's some things God has taught me over the years and some things I learned the hard way. I would like you not to learn the same way. I mean, you little goats know what I'm talking about. Bring your hogshead over to me again. Don't even make that same mistake again. Don't let me make the same mistake. How many parents would say, Oh, I hope my kids don't do everything I did. Come on, raise your hand. You say, Pat, I hope they don't do what I've done. Woo, I, I hope they don't go there and do that. All right. I'm going to wind it up here. Got a lot to say, but it's not a lot to say. A lot to say that says we need to go. We got we got a place we need to go. Lots some things we need to do. <clears throat> Look at verse number nine. When you're abiding in Christ. This is not an issue. Number nine. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness even till now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his... Um, verse number... <clears throat> Eleven. But he that hateth his brothers in darkness and walketh in darkness and know not whither he goeth because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. And then he goes through a litany of things. But number two, I wanted you to get it. You have the goal of abiding in Christ, but in verse 10, you have a sign of abiding in Christ. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, there's none occasion of stumbling in him. You say, what is the what is the indicator? That you're living by faith and you're in your word and, and you're and I that's why to me that the church that church folding says to me <clears throat> that was so out of the will of God. When I read when I heard that I thought, you know, I read this verse and it says in verse ten, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Because I love you so much if I'm in that church. Because I love you so much as your pastor, I think you ought to disband. 
that sound right? Because I really care about you, and, I, and I'm uh, and I'm not uh, I'm, I'm I'm not giving up on you, and I'm I'm got hope in you, and I have faith in you. I'm going to give up. We're going to disband. So it never happened. Church should never get to that 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 place. A church never gets to that place until individuals get to that place. So, you want to see the sign of the church's strength? Let's keep reading. In verse number 12, I write to you little children because their sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. That means if you just, basically you got in the door. You repented, you put your faith in Christ, your sins are forgiven. You're little children. That's as far as you've gone. I write unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. You know, the tense there, and I've preached on this before, have known. Doesn't that mean you don't presently know him? Not the way he wants to be known. Yeah, you're old in the Lord, but you're not old in the right sense. He says, I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. Again, I have known. That means you got little children not growing. they got this beginning knowledge. Hey, do you think it's possible? Help me out. you think it's possible you could be saved, born again, washed in the blood, ten years and still be a little child? How many think that's possible? I know You have known him. Not presently known him. You have known him. You knew what it was to get saved. You could give a testimony of that. But there's no evidence of anything going on right now. I have written. Look at verse 14. He says, I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. So he says, I've told you this before, but there's not been any change. So if God's saying, listen, you need to change, there needs to be a difference, but you're not changing. Your church will not change until you change. You will not be happy until you change that relationship that you need with the Lord. I've written unto you young men because, now listen to this one, this is one we all want to want, what? I've written unto you young men because you are what? You're strong. I think the term young there isn't necessarily because they were young in youth. He's talking about they had the, they had the strength of a young person spiritually. I've written unto you young men because <clears throat> you are strong and what? The word of God does what? Abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. So what I'm saying, you need to ask yourself, which one are you? 
Are you somebody that had been or had a pretty good walk with God and now you've kind of leveled off? Or are you somebody that got saved and never really gone anywhere with the Lord? Or are you somebody that, like a young man, is strong? The Word of God abides in you. You measure yourself. Have you been a person that God has been dealing with and you just keep ignoring him? And you're a half rep. Somebody help me out. What does God want this church to be? What does He want this church to be? I has. I have written unto you. Does He want to? Does He want to address us as little children, or does He want to address us as what? Young men, young ladies. You know what He's saying. So verse 14 is our verse. One, you need to abide with Christ. That's your number one goal. Number two, there needs to be signs that you're abiding. You have, as it says in verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. I'm living by faith. I'm being what I need to be for every other individual in this body of Christ. And lastly, there's a sign of an abiding resource. Verse 14. You have the word of God. You're memorizing it. You're applying it. You're obeying it. If that's you, then you've really, you're right where you need to be. But if there's not that abiding resource, the Word of God, then you are lying to yourself. You listening to me? You're, 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 you're playing games, you're playing that little spiritual Russian roulette with yourself, thinking that somehow... That, that the, the rules, the spiritual rules of, of growth and God's blessing will not apply. I, I mentioned today, I said, I said, you know, I asked the kids, I said, what is a curse? Help me out. Somebody tell me. If, if you, you're in the, in the tense of the Deuteronomy, he says, I'll curse you. What, is, what does God mean by that? There'll be a curse upon you. We don't think of curse. We think of witchcraft when we think of curses. But when a person continues to abide in Christ, are they cursed or are they what? They're blessed. They just can't help but being blessed. Every way they turn, they seem to be blessed. They're blessed with their marriage. They're blessed with their kids. They're blessed with their church. They're blessed with a sense of joy, a sense of rest, a sense of peace. But you look at that person and everywhere they turn, why... Their marriage doesn't seem to be what it needs to be. And their kids don't seem to be. And they're not content with their wages. And they're, and they're not content with the, anything they had in their life. And it seems that every way they turn, something seems to go wrong. I know what I'm talking about. Now you tell me. And the person that's uh, every way they turn seems to go wrong. Their, their narrow problem is they always look around and they blame somebody else. See, my, I know one thing God has given me 
Now, you may not agree with this. I know one thing God has given me is I always look very objectively at any problem and any need. And I ask myself first, what, what, I'm going to give the person the benefit of what? The doubt. I'm not going to assume anything because that's my brother or my sister. Now, maybe wrong, and maybe they've done something they shouldn't have done, but maybe they didn't. Because I know I love them and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. How many ever got in trouble when you assume something? Come back to haunt you? Wow. What does it take? Christ in you. Say it with me. It's Christ in you hope of glory. Anybody know where that's found at? Where's it found at in your Bible? Write it down on your piece of paper. Colossians 1.27 You want to see your life reflect Christ? You want to see the blessing of Christ? Then you need, you and I both need to say, listen, my goal, my job, my res- I want to make my church better, I'm going to abide in Christ. I want to make my family better, I'm going to abide in Christ. I want to make my marriage better, I'm going to abide in Christ. And if you want to play a game with yourself, and lie to yourself, then you curse yourself. Everybody understand the message this morning? Is it hard? Is anything hard about it? Have I given you something new that you didn't know before? All I'm giving you that, and I wish I had time, maybe I will maybe another day, but I wish I had time to take you through the book of Ephesians. That's a glorious book about this thing. The old man, the new man. It's just kind of the nuts and bolts of making a, you know, you were this way before and now you're this way and you have to say no to the old man, yes to the new man. Now, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You just read that and say, wow, this is nice. If any of you here are, are breathing with a sense that Ichabod is written above this door, That's the only way a marriage ever fails. That's the only way a family ever fails. They give up on Jesus. Let's stand as we close. Father, we do thank you that you don't give up on us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Father, that your faith and your ability to maintain us is, you said it, put us in in your hand and nothing can take us out. What a glorious scripture it is. 
No man can take pluck you out of our, your hand. No man. Not even ourselves. Father, that 